Welcome to Red Carpet Retirement. This podcast is all about helping business owners and those in the entertainment and creative industries secure and protect their financial future. We provide educational stories and specific strategies so you can achieve the red carpet retirement you so richly deserve. Now here's your host, Adam Scott. Hello and welcome to Red Carpet Retirement with your host, Adam Scott. Adam, how are you? Hey, Eric. Great to be here with you. I'm doing really well. Very excited today. Yeah, I'm so excited. This is your very first podcast. So listening audience, this is Adam's inaugural podcast. I get to ask him a bunch of questions. About half of them are about business and kind of his history, and half of them are going to be personal questions. You ready, Adam? I'm ready. Everyone just has has to understand that I'm I'm on training wheels here. This is my first bike ride into podcasting. All right. You're going to do fine. You're going to do fine. With all the, the, the times we've met before this, I know you well enough to know you're going to do fantastic. All right. So let's start with a very easy softball question since we're, we're just starting out. Why did you decide to work in financial services? Tell us just a little bit about your history. Well, that could be a short answer or a long answer to that, but there was a lifetime in some ways getting to where I am today. Okay. And I actually started out in financial services. I was a commodity trader in the city of London, which is like Wall Street uh, mm. out of university. And I had studied economics at university, but I had also done a lot of acting. But uh, as I left university, I had to make a decision. Was I going to go into acting or the entertainment industry, or was I going to go into the financial industry? And at the time, I think I had a kind of vision maybe at university, I was going to end up as being like the Louis Rukeyser of Great Britain, you know, financial TV personality. But at the time, I kind of the primary passion was finance. So I went into commodity trading. That was the beginning of the story. So fast forward, how how did we get here today? Okay. How did we get here today? So as I say, I did acting in, Mm -hmm. uh, at university as well. And I had a certain degree of success with it and the commodity market went dead. And my friends in the theater world and in the entertainment world, contrary to my dad's advice that nobody could make a living doing it, I saw some of my friends making a living and being actually fairly successful. So I thought, oh, I can do that. There is, you can make a livelihood doing it. And I left commodities and I made a small film and I ended up getting into the entertainment industry, ultimately coming out to Hollywood and becoming a film editor. And when I was a film editor, because of my financial background, and I continued to have a great passion and interest in finance, which was kind of like I was a bit of a black swan in the entertainment world where I was very passionate about finance and knew a lot about it. And so people would come and ask me for advice. And in particular, one friend who was very wealthy asked me to take care of her money. And I kept thinking about it. And again, it's another story about what made me ultimately take the plunge and decide to leave the entertainment world and become a financial advisor. Okay. Wow. I mean, that's, I've never heard that kind of story before. I mean, to, to make that dramatic of a change, that's, that's pretty big. So let me ask you this, who do you work with and what's your specialty then? So it should be uh, no great surprise that we work a lot with people in entertainment because mm-hmm. that we're based here in Los Angeles. That's one of the primary industries. And we have a lot of knowledge about it. We have a lot of understanding of what life is like when you're working in this less traditional lifestyle and uh, saving for retirement or you know accumulating and protecting wealth in the entertainment industry can be more of a challenge because your income flows are so unpredictable. Mm-hmm. 
and the same with creative fields in general and the and indeed business owners and entrepreneurs all people with unpredictable in, income flows that really need planning in their lives are people we can work with and uh, we also have what i call the secret source there are great tools that we can use for them to ensure that they get where they want to get okay let's talk about that a little bit what do you do for your clients so yeah, I don't want to get too much into technicalities right, okay. right here, but there are yeah. certain tax strategies. There are certain great tax strategies that are just kind of, uh, they weren't made for the entertainment industry, but they are ideal for people in the in the entertainment industry who have loan out co- corporations where they hire themselves back to a picture. They make a lot okay. of money and they get taxed very heavily. So there are ways that we can reduce those taxes as well as doing in-depth financial planning to give them security so that they can ultimately, I'll say, work when they want on the projects that they want with the people that they love, right? Mm-hmm. And we want to get them to a stage where uh, uh, where, uh, where they can do that. And I like to say that we transform lives, that we get these successful people, but who have an uncertain future, and we transform their life to give them freedom and, and the ability to say no to a project or, or indeed to retire. Yeah. I think, especially now, I think freedom is a huge component that people are looking for, especially, you know, going through COVID, going through all the things that we have. I think people value that more than, than money at this point. I don't know about you, but that's, that's just kind of what I'm seeing as far as a trend. I don't know if you'd agree with that or not. Yes. And, And I think that many people who work in the entertainment industry that ultimately freedom in and this unconventional lifestyle was kind of in their dna from the beginning that that urge for freedom and the same thing for entrepreneurs as i say i think there's a great crossover between entrepreneurs in general business owners in general Mm -hmm. again you don't want to have a boss and you want to be in control of your own life and working in the movie industry and this unconventional lifestyle yeah and and i'll yeah go ahead oh and we also really resonate well with creative people, uh, maybe because of my background, but that those are the clients we really enjoy working with. It's not to say that we don't work with other clients. There are plenty of people that we do enjoy mm-hmm. w- working with who aren't in the entertainment industry, you know, both pre-retirees and retirees. But oftentimes they are people who have some kind of creative bent. And certainly when I'm working with clients, you know, I like to have a great rapport with them and you yeah. know, I want to be able to invite them around to dinner, have them around to my house and ultimately they become great friends. Okay. So let me ask you this. When I'm thinking of your ideal client, it sounds to me like you're going to focusing on folks in the entertainment industry, entrepreneurs, business owners, artists, maybe people that are creative, like you said, folks that don't maybe get paid in that traditional manner, right? In a traditional way. Am I missing anybody there for your ideal client list? No, I, I would say that that is. I mean, that often they can be retired as well. Okay. And it's not that we, I, ironically, I do work with sort of people who've led, led a more traditional life. Like my wife happened to go to UCLA. So mm-hmm. I know a lot about the whole UCLA retirement program and setup. Mm-hmm. And so I work very well with people, again, from UCLA or, or from the UC system as a whole. Got it. So pretty much anybody. I mean, you, you, you have the tools and the skills to help somebody who's just looking for that freedom and looking to get maybe their financial house in order. Yes, absolutely. Okay. All right. How do you acquire new clients? How do you find these clients? 
So I've been really busy, as we all have recently. So there's less that I've been doing recently, mm-hmm. but I really plan to get out there and start. Uh, you know, in the past, I've done in-person seminars for the entertainment industry, which were very successful in acquiring clients. Of course, we have referrals uh, from yeah. other clients, and actually, we're having quite a lot of success on on social media, even without putting much effort into it people will be ringing me out of the blue and I say, how did you find us? Sometimes they're not exactly sure how they came across my name (laughs) on the web, Uh, but other times they'll say something like, oh, I Googled uh, financial advisor for the entertainment industry and amazingly my name comes up or our name comes up. Okay, well, that makes it easier. (laughs) That's kind of nice. Yeah. All right, well, let me ask you this. You're you're talking about in-person educational events or in-person seminars uh, that you used to do those. I know that COVID and that whole thing, the pandemic put a damper on a lot of that. You're going to be getting back out, but what other client education do you do besides that? Uh, Just, I would say every, every client meeting is, Mm -hmm. is, uh, is an education. So yes, one-on-one we do education. Also we send out newsletters, you know, we send out, um, a constant stream of information educating our clients about what's going on. So let's say it's the news tax laws. So there'll be an email going out about the tax laws, or we might have a client event <coughs> where we talk, where we'll do a brief little discussion about whatever new tax laws are coming up. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I know that through our discussions, part of what you want to do with this podcast is educate folks. So I'm really excited to have that happen. I'm excited to be a small part of it. I know that you're going to have guests on, which we'll talk about down the road, but it's it's going to be exciting. So I'm, I'm glad this is another outlet for you to help educate folks on, on stuff that you know. So I'm, I'm right. excited to be a small piece of that. Well, uh, thanks, Eric. Yeah. I mean, that is a, that is a, a major reason why we're doing this. But since we've only just begun it, I didn't want to say, hey, I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> I'll, I'll say it. I'll be happy to say it because I we, yeah. we've spoken length. I know you've got yeah. a lot of stuff coming. So the audience yeah. will be, uh, I think, pleasantly surprised. Uh, yeah, Eric, actually, you know, that brings up something else that sure. maybe I should have said earlier. In terms of the name, you know, Red Carpet Retirement and why Red Carpet Retirement, that yes, part of it is because of our client base. But this is podcast, uh, I really intend it to be for everybody, that there's mm-hmm. going to be a lot of anecdotes and stories and tools that hopefully I'll be able to share with anybody who's interested in having a red carpet retirement. Yeah. And what do I mean by red carpet retirement? I mean the retirement that you dreamed of, right? That uh, you don't want a Motel 6 retirement. <laughs> yeah. you, you want something where you're comfortable and where your dreams are made. So it really applies to everybody. So I just want to Get get that out there. Yeah, well, I'll I'll tell you. I think that that it's a beautiful picture. Personally, I I I understand you know the the reference to the entertainment industry, but when I think of red carpet retirement, when I think of my red carpet retirement, I think of the red carpet leading to a boat. <laughs> it just leads to a nice houseboat <laughs> of some kind or something. Because right. I've got to be fishing. So I mean, that's just me. But yeah, no, I think it, it crosses all sorts of people's livelihood and people's you know desires and dreams for what they want in the future. So I think it's a great name. Right. Um, Thank you. Yeah. So, okay. Let's, let's talk about this. Who's on your team and what do they do? Because I know that you can't do all this by yourself. Right. So I have, uh, I hate to say first and foremost, but I have um, Andrew Mon who kind of really runs the ship behind the scenes and takes care of everything. I say almost everything in, in operations. And he's just got 
a great sensibility. He's just a great people person, but he's also extremely competent. So that's just a really good combination to have. Uh, then we have Nathan Gale, who does our financial planning, and he is also licensed. So he does some of our trading for us as well. And Nathan Gale actually was a trumpet player, very smart guy, but he, w- he was a trumpet player and did a master's in trumpet and wow. was in the military before moving into financial planning and getting his CFP and his uh, series uh, 66. Then we have Dora Meyer. She is uh, uh, my co-advisor, but she's off right now. She's she's having a baby. So Dora's oh, taking congratulations, some, Dora. some time off. And yeah. then we also um, have uh, Kim Creaky, who, who runs another part of the operations, of client okay. operations. All right. Well, you mentioned CFP and and Series 66, I believe, which are mm-hmm. designations and advanced education. And, and you were talking about your teammates, but I want to ask about you. What designations or advanced education do you have? Right. So I took the CFP kind of um, early in my career. So I, I've got that. And uh, that you know, that's a certified financial, means I'm a certified financial planning professional mm-hmm. where we learn about not just about investment management, but about estate planning, about different kinds of insurance that can protect clients, and about uh, about retirement planning. And in, it also requires you to act in a client's best interest, um, which strangely enough, the industry as a whole does not, does not necessarily require you to do. Yeah. So there's the CFP, and then the Series 66 and allows me to manage investments on behalf of clients. I used to have what's called a Series 7 as well, which is a more well-known license. But when I left the it's complicated, but, but since I became a fee-only advisor, I no longer need the Series 7 because mm-hmm. that's a commission-based designation, and I don't sell anything for commission. Now, I also used to have a life insurance license, but I've also had to drop that because I've become what's called a fee-only financial advisor. Yep. Well, and and I know that you you didn't draw a whole lot of attention to the CFP, but I have to. So mm-hmm. for you, the listening audience, there is a website called Investopedia. Investopedia is a great, great resource to go and find out basic information about a lot of stuff about investments. It also has a lot of the a dictionary, basically a glossary. So you can learn what different designations mean, like the CFP. If you go look up the CFP, it will tell you in there that it is one of the most rigorous tests that they can take as a financial advisor. He just kind of glossed over it, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give him some kudos because that, that usually takes two to three years to study for. So it is an incredibly advanced education and it's not easy to get. So if you want more information on that, go to Investopedia and you can read more about it. But he said it was like, it was no big deal. Adam, <laughs> I'll, I'll brag on you a little bit on that one. That, that's a great designation to have. All right, All right. Last last question of this section, Adam, what is your business philosophy? Gosh. So I'm going to kind of spin that or twist that a bit, Eric, and I'm going to answer it. And then you can tell me if there's something, if I'm not answering the question directly, but I just wanted to say how I'm set up business-wise and okay. why we do what we do. And I'm going to say that you know, what makes us different is that the kind of clients we work with, but also the way in which we work. And we are, I, a fee-only financial advisor. I used to be what's called a hybrid advisor where I could accept commissions as well. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to become a fee-only financial advisor where we get paid for financial planning and we get paid for investment management. We never sell anything for a commission. And so 
in a certain sense, my business philosophy is to be as purely unconflicted as I can be, to make sure there's no conflict of interest between me yeah. and the client, and that I can put their interests first. And strangely enough, that's, as I alluded to before, that that's not the industry standard, that the industry, in fact, I can tell a little story around this, that um, a young man who was who I was interviewing to come and join us had been working at one of the big warehouses. And why he left is because he had been looking into a particular insurance product for a, for a client. And his manager asked him you know, why he was taking so long looking into this product. And he said, I'm trying to make sure it's the right thing for the client. And his manager says, who cares if it's the right thing for the client? Care oh. about if it's the right thing for you and the right thing for oh. XYZ company. That's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> so we want to make sure that, as I say, our focus is on putting the client first. And ironically, XYZ company, because of the way they're set up, because they can sell for commission, no, they don't have to put the client's interest first. Yeah. They can put the advisor's interest first and the company's interest first. So, yeah, my business philosophy is to try to be aligned as closely as possible with the client. Well, you, you said I had, you know, I could comment on that. That was beautifully stated. I, I, I don't think there's much of a better philosophy out there. I just can't believe, well, I can believe because I have seen stuff like that before. That's just ridiculous. All right. Well, let's end that part of this podcast. Let's go into the personal side. Uh, we want to get to know you personally um, so that folks know who they're calling. You know, when they when they get good information on this podcast, they reach out to you. They're going to know more about you. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready, Aaron. All right, Adam, when you're not working, what do you do for fun, man? <laughs> Gosh, well, you know, I, I really love my work. <laughs> so I don't know. I read the Wall Street Journal and Barron's Magazine. Um, but uh, uh, truth in jest. But, you know, what do I do? Well, for one thing, I have, yeah, I'm not much of a materialist person, but I do have a beautiful house and okay. we live in this place, Topanga, which some people in LA may know. And it's, it's a very beautiful mountainous community close mm. by Malibu, the hills up above Malibu. And so we have quite a big yard and it's about three quarters of an acre uh, wow. on, the side of a, <laughs> on the side of a mountain. And I never wanted a yard because as a kid, I had to help my mother prune the roses and mow the lawn. Oh, yeah. And I always said, I'm never going to have a yard. But when we drove up to this house, whatever it was, 25 years ago, it was the first house I saw that I could actually imagine myself getting old in. So mm. we, had, we got a great deal at the bottom of a housing market when all houses were on sale. So I kind of got my, my dream house. It was formerly owned by a rock star. The caveat is it's got a lot of yards to take care of. <laughs> so I don't do it for fun, but that takes up some time. But I also play soccer mm -hmm. and I, 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 I love sport. I love tennis. I love golf. I love soccer. And uh, I always say you don't have to be good. You just have to love it. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, That's me. Three quarters of an acre. Is that big enough for a soccer field? <laughs> no, unfortunately, it's on a slope. Oh, uh, it, it makes it yeah. easier for one team to get a goal. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's actually got these amazing rock formations oh, being here in Southern California. So it's it's not even grass, but it's all cool. right. Well, oh, I will look forward to pictures one day. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so one other thing, Erica, is yeah. You know, even though I say I'm not much of a, I'm you know I'm, I live we live pretty simply. Kids' education is important to us, but other than that, and taking care of our house is important to us maybe going on nice vacations. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing that I finally did that is the, is, uh, the, is, um, 
that cost some money. Uh, it's been a dream of mine to have a yacht. My father had a yacht when we were young, mm. and I've always wanted to, to have one. And we've now just joined a boat share down in Newport Beach. And I am so excited. We had a weekend. We had our first weekend on the boat last weekend. Oh, wow. So uh, that's what I'm going to be doing for fun. And I look forward to taking clients on the boat. Oh, man. Yeah. No. See, now I just wish I lived closer. <laughs> we're talking <laughs> yeah. about my boat dreams. So I'll live vicariously mm. through you sometime. Yeah. All right. Well, Adam, let me ask you this. Who is your hero? If you had to choose somebody, who would your hero be? Well, I, I already mentioned uh, my hero earlier. Uh, I've got two heroes, and Andrew Mon, the gentleman who works for me, mm. is such an amazing human being. And Andrew actually is and was a client before he worked for me. And he lives in our neighborhood. Uh, he lives down the road. And he, I, I just would see his work in the community that he stayed at home and was taking care of his daughter while his wife has this high-powered job. And Andy is just a man of such humility and such mm. competence. He was a very competent client. You know, clients, clients can, there are, either, there are clients who really do their homework and Andy would just really do his homework and everybody loves him. My family just loves Andy. And that kind of human being who has no ego is just there to help people. Man, he, I just admire such people. And actually the, the gentleman, Chopper Burnett, who um, hopefully will be doing the intro to the podcast, he's a voice actor. Mm. And uh, Chopper, again, I call him the closest thing to Jesus he, 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 that I know, both him and Andy, because he's just such a good human being. Again, who just very wise as well, just the wisdom that, say, Chopper, Chopper has. And uh, so people who are just very kind, very good, good people. And I admire them for that. Oh, that's fantastic. All right. Now I've got kind of an off the wall question here. If you had all the money you ever needed, in other words, Adam, seriously, tomorrow morning you wake up and there's, I don't know, $7 trillion in your bank account. What would you do? Yeah. Well, Eric, I think that you know, I've wondered about that being in my career. And to be honest, I think it depends how it happens, but if it happens overnight, yeah, my, my life is not going to change. I like to think, or Look, in my fantasy, I have a very strange fantasy. <laughs> Share with us. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's, it may sound like a bit of a downer. Um, so I live here in Los Angeles, and uh, like many American cities, there's a huge um, bifurcation between the wealth, you know, the haves and the have-nots. Mm -hmm. And I have been active down in areas like Compton and Watts, helping some of those inner-city kids. And I would really... Really, if I had all the money in the world, I don't understand why people like Bill Gates, and maybe he is, but the Gates Foundation, why uh, people aren't going in there and and really giving resources to help educate and train train these kids and lift them up because they really need it. And if I had all the money in the world, that's what I would be doing. Oh, that's beautiful. I, our hearts are in it together. We, we've spoken a little bit before, but my wife and I deeply rooted with a group. We helped raise teenage boys uh, that were at risk and and. I, I love that. I love that answer. That is one of the best things you can do. One of the founders of where we worked said he, he had started off trying to help older men, men that were down on their luck, so on and so forth. And it was hard for them to change. So then he found that the youth were the ones that really took to getting a leg up and took to getting some help and, and, and shined, right. And changed their path because of that. So I, I think that's beautiful. And I love, thank you so much for the work that you do down in those areas, because it's very, very needed for sure. Thanks, Eric. And yeah, we'll have to talk more about this offline. I'm so glad about what you do. That's just commendable. Yeah. 
Yeah, we loved it. We absolutely. Okay. So Adam, let me ask you this. What is your idea of success? <laughs> Another question I, I, I think, I think a lot about, and I, I think I'm going to tie this into, um, into my own. Oh, you know, Warren Buffett, surprisingly enough, Warren Buffett said about success that his definition of success is to have the people that you love and matter most to you love you. <laughs> Yeah. And 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 that pretty much I think says it all. Yeah. And uh I'm gonna say on top of that that the talents, um, you know, whether you're religious or not, that that for want of a better word, the talents that God has given you, right? The talents that you've been blessed with to maximize your potential and 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 give the world give the world the benefit of those talents, bring those talents into fruition and and make as big a difference in the world um, you know as you can but I, I will say don't do it at the sacrifice <laughs> the sacrificing the love of your loved ones yeah no quite true good good words all right i i love this next question and i know that you've got a great answer for it already what is one thing that you recommend most to clients family and friends so uh, yeah, I'm not necessarily someone to come up with sort of catchphrases and mantras, but when my wife was dropping my daughter off at college in New York, on the day, she says she's like in the minute of dropping her off, she sends me a text, Daddy, do you have any words for uh, words of advice for Elizabeth as, <laughs> as we drop her off at college? And I've got like, I got to come up with something in 10 seconds, 30 seconds. And I said, tell her every time she says yes to something, She's saying no to something else. Mm. And she's shared with me, she's found that really useful because in college, you know, you have so many things you can say yes to. Unfortunately, we, I think it's really important to say yes. That can equally be important is saying yes to things, but you just have to understand you're also, you're also saying no. And, and it's something that resonates with me because there's so many things I'm passionate about and I'm interested in, uh, in and I just realized I got to focus. You have to sometimes say no to things so you can really say yes to the thing that matters most to you. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Adam, this is, this is one question that I, I love to ask people when I, you know, getting to know them, um, just because it gives you a little bit of a deeper dive, but Adam, what's one thing that most people don't know about you? One thing that no, most people don't know about me. Well, mm -hmm. you know, I, I'm going to go back to when I was in the entertainment industry and people, it seemed very odd to people that I've been a commodity trader before. Mm -hmm. And and now that I'm in my line of work and people don't realize that I was an, an, in the entertainment industry and I was represented by a major agency. And actually, I had a couple of diff. I had a couple of different agents. I, I had an agent. Oh, here we go. I I had a script writing agent, <laughs> as well as an an agent for my editing work. Mm. All right, all right. This is going to be this is going to wrap up this section of the podcast. Adam, what's your proudest achievement? Oh, great! I'm glad. So glad you asked me that. That one, Eric. I was waiting for that one. So. My proudest achievement, and, and I'm going to be kind of corny here, is my three kids. The fact that all my three kids, well, I've got one still in college, but she's doing electrical engineering. So my guess is she's going to be able to earn a living. Yeah. <laughs> my two sons are in their 20s, and they're, they're both um, established. And 
Why I'm particularly proud of it is because it wasn't all sort of wine and roses all the way along. It, mm-hmm. it, our family life, I'm going to be quite candid with you because I think it's important for people to know this, was a real struggle. My oldest son would be the first to say, he does indeed say he was an incredibly difficult child and it almost tore the family apart. And we even, the sheriffs came and intervened at one point when he thought he needed to, he wanted to go and live in a boy's home. And I think the fact that we just stood there with love and that we didn't reject him, we didn't kick him out of the house, and he just always knew that we were there for him. And I think that that's my proudest achievement because I think it could have gone either way, right? Yeah. Uh, he could have ended up in jail or whatever, but the fact that we just stayed there with love, without judgment, and hung in there. And it, you know, it still can be a little bit tricky, but ultimately, <laughs> you know, he's on a good road. Yeah. Um, oh, and actually, I'm going to say one other thing which is my proudest achievement, and sorry for the long-winded answer, but going back to when I changed, and this is partly the story about why I changed industries, one reason why I changed is because I was working night and day, and I never saw my kids. I'd been away for a long time, and I came back, and my young son, who was 12 years old, as I say, he was just out of order. He was just impossible to control, out of order, and he said, you know, basically he said, you're, you're never around. You don't get a say, right? Mm-hmm. He regarded Ouch. himself as the man of the house. And uh, yeah. I didn't live here, right? As far as he was concerned, because I had been away for a few months. And before that, I'd been working around the clock for a year and a half. And I had at the point that time, my, my daughter was only about three years old. And I thought, I want to be around for her, you know, yeah. in the way that I've been absent for my, for my sons. So I changed careers. It got even worse with my son because obviously it's financially stressful when you're changing careers. Mm-hmm. But, and to be quite frank, I mean, he saw me as this incredible loser that I left the film industry. <laughs> and he was now in college with fancy people and his dad is starting the financial advice world. But fast forward about 10, 12 years. And he mentioned one day, he taught some very, to, he was talking to some very high-powered people for advice, and one of our friends is phenomenally successful. And he just said with me, he said, Dad, oh, you're way more successful than so-and-so is. You really love what you do. I just really hope one day I love and care about what I do as much as you do. I don't know anybody who loves and cares about their work mm. as much as you do. And how you reinvented yourself, how you changed careers. He said, you know, I just don't know how somebody could do that. And I think that's one of my proudest things as well is both to be a role model to him and and to my kids, but for other people who want to transform their lives. Right. And as I say, that's kind of a mantra of mine is to transform our our clients' lives. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. Well, let's, let's get to the close of this podcast so we can wrap this up. You've got the attention of a lot of people. This, this podcast is nationwide. I mean, Honestly, it's worldwide, but let's just concentrate on the United States for this moment. Who should be listening to this podcast? And then let's give them a little bit of a preview. What are you going to be bringing to the podcast? Well, Eric, as I uh, as I kind of mentioned earlier, I, I hope that this podcast will be for, for anybody who yeah. wants to understand more about their financial future and kind of have some semblance of control over their financial future. We're going to be giving out tidbits, hopefully in stories and anecdotes, and share things that, that hopefully will be digestible and entertaining and interesting so that you will 
become informed. They, it, it, it'll go down with a spoonful of sugar, the financial advice. So over time, you will become more controlled and, and you'll have more certainty uh, in uh, ensuring your own red carpet retirement. Now, of course, we also, in particular, because we do work with creative people and mm -hmm. with people in the entertainment industry, there are going to be occasional nuggets that are specific for them. But having said that, most of the nuggets that we use for them can be used in other areas of life too, right? right? So that the, these these tax laws or whatever were not designed for the entertainment industry. They just happen to be really, really useful in the uh, for entrepreneurs and business owners in the entertainment industry. Okay. All right. Well, last but not least, when people are listening to this and they say, you know what, I'd, I'd love to talk to this guy and see, you know, where I'm at, what I could be doing better, what, you know, tips and tricks he has for me. And they want to reach out to you. How do they get a hold of you, Adam? So I probably the first thing to do is just go to the website, which is well acre wealth. So that's well, like digging a well and acre, like an acre of land. And there's, you can see the story on my website. There's a story about why it's called well acre wealth, mm -hmm. wellacrewealth.com. Or you can, Give us a call, 310-220-4946. All right. Well, Adam, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it. And I look forward to all the future podcasts. Thank you, Erica. It was great being with you here today. You bet. The last thing is always going to go to you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Red Carpet Retirement Podcast with Adam Scott. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, which I know you haven't because this is the very first one, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Adam comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This also makes it really easy to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Well Acre Wealth, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day, and we'll see you next time. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Wellacre Wealth Management, LLC. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content should not be considered as legal or tax advice, nor is it intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor and consult with your own legal and tax professionals before taking any action.